0: Hello, and welcome back to the Death and Grief Talk podcast. I'm your host, Joelle Simone Maldonado, also known as The Grave Woman. And in today's installment, I have the honor of speaking with Dr. Krista Lee Crane. Dr. Crane is an interdisciplinary public health scholar and human rights activist. She has academic roots in sociology, political science, and psychology, she specializes in exposing the layers of institutional inequality while supporting communities to shift ways of being and practice to improve life's chances by bridging the worlds of academia, healing, and activism.
1: I'm doing well. Uh, I'm actually, these past few days, I actually got like really good sleep. Uh, which is a struggle for me. And so I'm like, I had a great Monday because I slept. So like Tuesday is just kind of rolling and it just feels great to be (laughs) live. When I sleep, I'm really, really happy. Yeah. (laughs) You
0: strike me as a person, um, even if you wouldn't, I don't know if you do, but if you identify as spiritual, but someone that's very in tune with their feelings, right?
1: Yeah, most definitely. Yeah.
0: And like yourself, I have been having some amazing sleep since Saturday. Like I think I slept all day Saturday, a good part of the day Sunday slept really good last night, but I am of the belief that as we transition out of summer into fall, our bodies are naturally releasing something. I don't know the scientific term for it, but we're finding it easier to kind of breathe and rest because it's cooling off and something in nature is doing its thing to us. And I know you have tons of education. I know you have tons of experience, but if you just had to put a word on that, what would you call it?
1: It's like a recalibration. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely, I I know, I always tell my mom, like I'm a feeler and a knower and a learner, you know, but it's like, (laughs) For me, it took me probably until my like, late 20s to accept how sensitive I am mm. in my environment. You know, because I, at first, I was like, oh, I'm just too sensitive. I'm just too, you know, like, every, you know, like gets, everyone was telling me that, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, no, I have a different input <laughs> than other people when it comes to things like that. So yeah, the the season changed for me. Uh, this season change, at least, has been has been good. Um, it kind of calmed me down a little bit. And I actually got to wear a sweater today. Um, I love sweater weather. So, uh, yeah. Thank you for that question. I love that.
0: Yeah. Um, I think if I had to put a word on it, it would be rest. And not in a rest, like, in a traditional sense, like, oh, get your rest. But truly, our spirit, something about our spirit just knows or goes. yeah maybe that's the word
1: (sighs) and I I you know there's probably lots of different ways to spell that which is gonna be fun to to figure out but I think you know like when I say say uh, recalibration right it's like a renewing a renewal of like my intent right Mm -hmm. like that's what it feels like and just a solidifying of things um for me Mm -hmm. Intent. I love that word. Um,
0: What is your intention in the universe with all the work that you do around violence and mental health and advocating for communities that are marginalized? What is your intent in the universe?
1: To alleviate unnecessary suffering. Mm. How? By helping people strengthen their, their individual and collective how, right? I feel like For people who are directly impacted and for folks who are like bearing witness to it to a lot of the injustices that we know of and and unfortunately intergenerationally know right um i think that us not being able to heal while we're doing is one of the reasons we haven't gotten all the wins we need yet and so a lot of my work is group based it's training capacity building based um I love my coaching work. So I get to like work with folks who are on the front line, front line organizers, leaders um, in, in various parts of the country and the world um, just recently and really work with them to help them actualize their values. So like, what does it mean to be a steward of social justice? What does it mean to, um, you know, want to prevent child abuse? Are we just talking about this generation? Are we looking at this as a generational issue? Like, what are we? What are we really talking about? And really trying to get folks to that they're figuring out their how, so that one we keep folks in the work because I think that is a struggle, like consistently before we even got here, right? But then also so we can stay in the work and do it in a way where we're healthy and healing and, and still hopeful. Um, for some reason. For a number of reasons, I'm sure. I still have a very strong connection to joy. And, you know, the old me maybe would have said, well, you know, the world didn't beat it out of me yet. And then more of, of the belief, you know, and kind of understanding now is, you know, I did not allow it to be taken. Mm-hmm. So, right? Like, totally same kind of idea, but totally different frames.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Giving myself even my past self and 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 current and future self, the grace to be like, look what I'm holding on to. And what I'm holding on to is my access to joy. Mm. And I want to do that for other people.
0: Mm. That's beautiful. So I know we've personally talked about the experiences you've had with grief um, through the pandemic, post pandemic, and even recently but how do both joy and grief exist in your realm through the work that you do and the losses that you've experienced personally?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll go with the latter first and talk about personally. Um, and I think I may have mentioned when we talked, but a few months ago, I lost a really close friend, um, to an accidental overdose. And, um, it really caught me off guard I mean hence you know the name accidental but I did not know how I was going to deal with that um I didn't get the traditional you know I wasn't able to go to the memorial or like a funeral you know I I didn't so I've been doing it by myself right in communication with her family and in other friends and such and so when I think about like how joy and, and grief in this most recent kind of experience is like one, I, I need to sing. So like, that's one of my like <laughs> ways that I emote and release. Um, and so I sing our songs, you know, and I might be crying through the whole thing <laughs> like, and it is not cute. And, you know, I have empty tissue boxes everywhere, but I'm singing for her. And it's still doing something good for me, right? It's still giving that release that I need. Um, and that's just one way like an action that I know that that I I have done it in the past, but then also like probably the past like decade, like made sure that I intentionally and consciously knew that I was doing it when I was doing it, because it, that does matter too. Hmm.
0: Wow. You said something, you said two things, actually, that kind of caught my attention. The first being being caught off guard by not only the loss, but I imagine the grief that you experienced. And I pray I'm not going too far, but I remember you saying that when you found out about your friend's passing due to an, over, an, an overdose accidentally, you didn't even know that she was abusing a drug or using a drug. And that it really framed for you how much not just her but we are struggling in this post pandemic world right and then you you add on to that the way that the world is shifting the energy that we're seeing now violence and how prevalent it's become i can't, i don't even know how many mass shootings we've had this year how many domestic situations have ended in gun violence and someone losing their life or for example yesterday my husband and I found out that the best man in our wedding his brother passed away due to gang violence and nobody even knew he was in a gang so I think there's this sense of us not even being able to catch our footing after being caught off guard from so many different angles. From your professional opinion, how do we navigate that in a way that joy is even an option?
1: Right, and I mean, and thank you, you know, like I, I'm i really open, so I'm happy to talk about whatever. Um, but as it relates to my friend, like I know that there is dabbling, I just didn't know that it was to the point where this was a possibility, right? right. And, and like really going to the thing of like the, the suffering, the unnecessary suffering that I was speaking of, right? It's like, so so I was raised atheist in the, in the sense, and there's lots of ways to be raised atheist, but in the sense that religion was not a requirement. We, you know, folks found it on their own. Um, I lean towards Buddhist philosophies. And so for me, I don't necessarily look at suffering as, as something that's outside of the human condition. But what we're talking about is the unnecessary parts, the things that are socially constructed, the things that we allow from either inaction or inadequate policies and practices from schools, to cops, to doctors, to you know mayors of towns and to governors, right? Who are literally participating in human trafficking to prove mm-hmm. a political. And so when I think about like, how do we even then make joy possible? what does that mean? And for me, like just kind of going from my process, what I, what I try to, to share and model is like, we're never gonna not be suffering. It is a spectrum. Um, it doesn't mean that we are in crisis. It doesn't mean that, right? There's something wrong with us or we're in a clinical space, okay? the ways in which we're experiencing the world right now and the the darkness um, the unhelpful darkness the the like the, the actual sickness of it um is something that one yes we have that like automatic kind of like ew right like that's not good but because of its consistency and now you know since 2015 we'll say a lot of things have been Exacerbated hate crimes are up. You know, gun violence is through the roof. We are looking at even more police brutality than before, if that was possible. Um, Our healthcare system is in shambles, (laughs) uh, especially after you know trying to take some of the teeth out of the Affordable Care Act, and so all these things, right? That I know are just touching people's lives in just real, real ways. I'm like, okay, what do we have that's ours? Mm-hmm. Right, um and as I was saying before, like that reframing is like it's not that the world didn't beat the joy out of me; it's that I just kept a hold of it. Right, different things, right? Two different things, and I think
0: the thing that's interesting to me is that we all seem to live in our little silos, right? Like our little worlds. Where I'll use myself as as an example as a death care worker, I made a conscious decision not to. Watch the news, not to look at things that were further traumatizing for me when seeing Black men come into the funeral home, body after, body after body after body after body due to gun violence, right? Looking at the news and seeing these families crying was extremely traumatic for me, even though I'm seeing them in true life. It was a way to turn it off, right? But then with COVID, that was a different level of trauma because. These people, not saying that the general, the black men that died prior, but literally had no choice. They made no decision in their life. They were influenced by nothing in their life that met them with their death, other than doing something as simple as breathing, right? And experiencing that level of trauma while all of these things are going on, to me, was almost system overload, right? but due to having access to mental health care, due to having spiritual practices in place that work for me and having an anchor um, in a faith system that worked for me, I feel like I'm able to navigate it. But I almost feel like a level of guilt because I know that so many people don't have access to those things. So many people can't turn it off because it's their everyday life. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question is, how do we as individuals recognize what's going on in the world with everyone else while preserving our sanity?
1: I think a big piece of it is personal agency. Um, Mm. and it's something that, that I work with my clients on and, and, you know, just kind of myself on a regular basis. Um, you know, this idea of like do, do you know who you are? Do you know how you need to live in order to have like a satiated heart, right? Like, what is it that you need to do? There are all sorts of barriers, right? Like that, and, and, and not to say that there's not, right? But like trying to say, okay, well, what, what role do we play? Right, in living the life within whatever parameters there are that we, that we need so that we can learn to fight for ourselves and then hopefully fight for each other. But without this, this idea that like we can, we should, we must and I'm gonna figure out how regardless if I you know don't know, we need to get to a place where my justice is yours. And that won't happen until people know that they deserve justice and they can actually do it for themselves in community.
0: So I guess the $100,000 question is, why doesn't justice exist for all? This is America, the land of the free.
1: I mean, not to me, but I think that- Of that, course not, but I mean-, I mean yeah. yeah, I always say like, it's not my fault I was born in this country. I am an accidental American um, and I identify as a global citizen because I feel like I live in the world. I don't just live you know, in this, in this little small town in the woods, right? Like, I'm like I, I live- in the world. And that perspective, I think, shaped me. I think, you know, for me, I studied abroad um, when I was going to community college, I started in community college. And um, that shaped my my whole, I was like, oh, coming from Flint, Michigan, <laughs> I go to Guadalajara, Mexico, I'm like, oh, dang, okay. Things are a little, little different and I liked it. Mm-hmm. And I, was like, I want more of it. So now 25 countries later, Right, I'm looking at the the instances here in this small town you were talking about, you know, the rise of domestic violence. Like there was in this small town, less than 5,000 people, this man found out his, his woman was having an affair, found out via text, went home, shot everyone in the house and himself. This was about two months, maybe two and a half months ago. And my first thought was, how old is this kid? what are the schools going to do with this loss? So I sent an email, right? Because I wanted to know, you know, just haven't heard back yet, but like, I, they may not have a plan. How do schools deal with that when they have a middle schooler not coming back, right? Like we have to be able to hold each other in these spaces and that the comfort of isolation that I think that COVID has given some of us, especially myself, I live alone. I work from home. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm in my little heaven zone Um, is, is, is a lie, right? Because it won't be like this forever and it is changing and and we're not going to go back to how we were. And that is good news. Um, The only difficult part is coming up with how we're going to be together rather than by ourselves.
0: It terrifies me um, because I, agree 100 percent um we it's not going to stay this way forever but I don't think we have the tools or even the we can't even conceptualize what we've just been through in the past three years and though like having a conversation about police brutality between two black women is like no shit (laughs) right like this happens this has been happening where have you been we have a lot of people in this country and in this world that that wasn't their reality and so I think when we're all in shared spaces again there's going to be even more separation than there was in the past some of us have evolved some of us have been enlightened spiritually mentally however you want to you know frame it but what I'm seeing just from my limited perspective, is that people are afraid and they're afraid of each other.
1: You know, <laughs> I work with these, these large organizations that have in-person staff and then a large, you know, national remote staff. Um, and I'm, I'm of the belief, I mean, of course, not all jobs can be done remotely. Most actually can't be done well, but, you know, I'm like, I think it's okay for people to acknowledge that they're afraid because we don't know how people have been living. And I've been saying this probably since like a year in when I was feeling an an internal ascension. Like, and I was like, I'm so glad I did this. You know, like when, when the pandemic started, I was like, okay, I can't go nowhere. I signed up for all these trainings. I was like trying to sharpen up my Spanish. I just invested in doing things that I knew that I needed to like feel connected with people. I did poetry workshops, you know what I mean? Like, where I was a participant, I just wanted to participate. <laughs> and so like, now all, all people did that, took that time to find out what they needed. The shock of the isolation, the shock of, I, you know, whether or not they, people can like call to it or feel it, that the spiritual debt that we owe for the losses for the, the bodies on sidewalks for, Mm. for zoom funerals. I mean, you know, just all the things that again are still happening, just not at the same level and scale. Right. I actually just got my third booster last Friday. Um, I'm immunocompromised. So like I get all, you know, like getting it and it's like, I'm kind of a stickler about things because I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get my my parents sick. They're not, you know, I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want to provide unnecessary suffering for someone. I don't want to unnecessarily suffer. Like I always say like I, you know, I'm not going to suffer if I don't have to and and you shouldn't want to either. <laughs> like and and or accept it, right? Like, and that's, that's the, I think the activist heart in me as well. It's like, I don't accept that my standards are hella high. (laughs) And I'm like, no, that is wrong. And it's, you know, until it's right, I'm not going to stop. Right. So like, there's the, the grace and understanding with action.
0: How do we, again, get back together and not have more disenfranchisement and more marginalization because of those very things the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated the sick versus the healthy the well versus the not well while honoring people's mental spiritual and even physical states after being separated for so long
1: yeah i mean so like i was just in dc last month and um i loved it i love dc i have like a I love hate relationship with that place, but like, I've been going there for work since about 2005. So I just, like, I have my favorite restaurants. I have a temple that I go to and meditate at, you know, like it's it's one of my other homes. And while I'm there, I'm seeing things that, you know, I haven't seen in a long time, at least not where I live right now. Um, But of course, I saw it in Portland. I I lived in Oakland. I lived in Chicago. um, And as, you know, seeing like Folks sleeping on the sidewalk, right? Mm-hmm. So Michigan, so these things are not new to me. But like I remember feeling this like thing that I felt when I was a kid, like this person's asking for food and you're just gonna walk over them. Like I still get offended. There's something in me that is still so mad at them for not acknowledging that this person exists. I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm still so mad. I'm almost 40 years old and I'm not over it. <laughs> like, I'm like, how could you just do that? Like don't you like feel anything like, or like, you know, but it's again, like that's because I'm, I'm sensitive. So it's like, I, one, of course I acknowledge these folks, right. Like, and like, do, do whatever I can, but then I, it makes me think and wonder about the ways that we protect ourselves and what we're protecting ourselves from. Right. Like I don't need to protect myself from people who, are suffering and are in need, but I need to protect myself from people who will lie about not being vaccinated because my stepdad has COPD. <laughs> Those mm-hmm. are two, right? Like, so it's like, what how are we using discretion in our energy? And what are we listening to and like paying attention to, right? Like buying a banana and a sandwich for that guy was no, no, no sweat off my back, right? but like watching him be ignored by other people broke my heart. Like that, like I can't deal with, like that's the sickness that we've always had in this country, but it's been exacerbated by COVID. And, you know, the consequences of folks like myself and I'm guilty of it. I have the Zoom life, right? Like I am, I don't go anywhere for work. Um, Very rarely do I travel for work at this point. I used to, but not anymore, but, like, thinking about, like, I don't have to leave my house. There's all sorts of things that, like, I'm missing out on outside of, like, the conditions of the community, but, like, because I don't have to, and then, but, like, there's there's something else I could be missing out on in the sense of, like, there could be people that need, you know, me to bear witness to them, and I'm missing that chance, right? So, I got to think about those things, like, what are we missing out on by not, being in community anymore we've kind of forgotten how to and i think again it's like going back to when you're saying you know there's some folks that have used this time wisely and there's some folks that haven't or maybe just like thinking okay we're going back to the real world now so maybe we should get it together i'm like you're a little late and i guess maybe not right because gotta start sometime but the piece is it is like how again the question how do you want to live mm-hmm how do you want to spend your time and and the, and again that like question of discretion like protecting yourself and going like i said before it's like the world didn't beat my joy out of i did not allow it to be taken and once i reminded myself that and i continue to like there's there's power in that for me so what's next for dr crystal crane <laughs> um well so we're going on my podcast um and that's going really well i am uh one of the things that i'm going to be doing is pulling from the conversations i've had on the podcast and turning them into books and so uh i'm looking forward to seeing what that um will happen uh, what that will look like um i'm always writing so i have a couple books um in the works at the moment um uh, i am definitely still teaching so um I'm, I'm at Cal State East Bay and uh, teaching in the masters of public health program with Simmons University. And um, yeah, just really trying to stay ready and, and like aware and like, so that I can figure out that where I need to be, right? Figure out where the need is. Um, one of the things that I do wanna say, um, uh, A part of Prevention at the Intersections is that I published two open access journals. One is Catalyst. And then the second is The Beauty of Black Creation. And uh, we'll be doing our next call coming up uh, later this week. And so I'll send you links so you can post it with this. So folks, if they want to submit, can submit to those open access journals. And those are meant to be academic. Those are community-based poetry, short stories, art. Um, I love doing that. That was a pandemic baby those journals, because <laughs> I'm like, I'm sitting here, but I want to, I want to bring people in and like showcase their work. So, how, you know, I was like, okay, I had to teach myself how to curate and do that. So it's been fun.
0: Absolutely beautiful. Can you tell listeners and watch viewers where they can find you?
1: Yeah. So um, you can find me at um C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-L-E-E-C-R-A-I-N. Um, You can learn more um, with Prevention at the Intersections at preventionagenda.org. And then my coaching practice is bestlifecoach.co.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. And I apologize. I just realized I butchered your name. I called you Crystal and not Crystal Lee. And I apologize. No worries. No worries. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking this time to talk to me, Dr. Crystal Lee Crane. Thank you, love. Live life, love hard. We'll talk to you next time.